0: Twenty-seven point two. camfm.co.uk
1: Your station, your CamFM.
0: Hello and welcome to Cam FM. Hi there. we were just sort of doing our swap home studio, so... Andy, do you want to just talk into your microphone? Hello. Uh, yes,
2: I can tell you all sorts of interesting things uh, to make sure that you can hear me uh,
0: well. Can you hear me well? Yeah, I can hear you now. Oh, good. That's good. So yeah, sorry about that. We're just... It's a bit tight in here. We've got a few technical failures, but we'll struggle through and we'll do fine. So, Andy, do you want to tell us a little bit about what you do when you're not in the radio studio?
2: When I'm not in a radio studio, I study the universe. Uh, I uh, do that using all sorts of uh, exciting techniques, like uh, using computers to model how the universe changes from what it was like when it was young to what it's like today. Uh, It's a very different place when it was young. Uh, but I think the reason you've got me here today is because I play around with Einstein's equations. And Einstein's equations tell us about time and space.
0: And as far as I understand it, Einstein is a very, very clever fellow.
2: Yeah, I believe so, yeah. So people who, uh, who met him said that he, he, he knew a thing or two about space and time.
0: But the sad thing is, whilst we normally cover fiction in the show, you don't know a thing about
2: movies, do you? I don't, know. I mean, I think it's a possibility you could just uh, spend the entire hour asking me about movies and I'll say no, sorry, I haven't seen that one. And then you can ask me another movie and I'll say no, sorry, I haven't seen that one either.
0: Okay, well to get started I'll, um, well I've got a track and I'll I'll see if you recognise it. Oh, and that was I hope you know this Andy obviously didn't that it was a theme to Terminator 2 of course I
3: knew that yeah right you've seen that film many many times right um, no, not, not exactly no well, well maybe you could like try and correct my vague summary of it that uh, so in, in the future there's a war between the machines and the humans as often seems to happen um
2: yeah, it's a bit of a problem in the future Yeah, i seen that happen a few times.
3: Yeah, so at, at various points the machines send back a machine to the p- present, although the present is actually the 80s in this diagram, um, whose job is to uh, murder the uh, leader of the resistance before he's able to become the leader of the resistance and hence let the humans overcome the machines. And then you see in Terminator 2. Um, another robot is sent back in time and there's more like murdering of the leaders of resistance but then the original robot who is now good is sent back in time to uh, help the humans to not be uh, defeated by the other robot who's sent back in time and then at some point in one of the sequels the first robot becomes the governor of California which was I think not in the original script.
2: Yeah I think that was an unplanned intermission actually. Kind
3: of an ad-lib you know. It was an
2: ad-lib yeah it was a, it was a bit of a dream sequence I think I don't think it actually really happened.
3: Well this, this this is the way of sci-fi. So I guess. A-
2: anyway, what am I meant to tell you because I, I actually haven't seen these movies, I have to say. So uh, am I meant to be telling you whether I think it's realistic?
3: Well, the realistic
0: things that aren't realistic is where we w- want to go. Or we normally dwell too long on the things that we just find hilariously funny uh, as plotting sort of errors. Uh one of the strange things about the terminator time travel is apparently you have to be sent back in time naked. Right. Okay. Uh, I'm not sure you can actually give a physical answer for that one. I uh, but that is one of the weird things. that means Arnold Schwarzenegger has to start every movie butt naked. I've just realised that because I read a book called The Time Traveller's Wife.
2: Have you read oh. that one?
3: Ah, you've, you've actually read it. I have not read it.
2: No, I, I actually did read that book. You see, I read books. Yeah, I don't watch movies. I read books. But in that in that book, uh, this guy kind of time traveled. It's a while since I read it, but he he couldn't really control his time traveling activities. But he turned up butt naked every time he did some time traveling. So I now realise that was stolen from uh, from Terminator. Terminator.
3: I've, I've I've seen that in a bunch of other f- f- films and books. Like the standard thing is you know like that in some way sending sentient matter through time is different and it's always a bit kind of sketchily explained if at all.
2: Yeah well we could start there couldn't we? I I think that's probably not realistic. That gets the thumbs down. Okay. I I don't think there's any difference between sending uh, sentient matter through time versus sending a t-shirt through time.
3: This presumably takes us into some kind of deep philosophical question about what sentience is and the nature of consciousness and things like that.
0: We forgot to bring in philosopher.
3: Yeah, so uh, you've messed that one up, really. Yeah, well, should have brought In fact, this is the anonymous philosopher you can't even see on the webcam,
0: right? <laughs> um, but what is interesting is, of course, Déjà Vu, which was a, uh, not a very good movie, actually, that had the opposite thing, where they could send things through time but couldn't send people through time because it wiped out it, electrical currents couldn't survive the time travel process.
2: I no, no, see that's like, well. I'm not sure about the electrical currents business, but um, it's certainly true that some of the, the mechanisms that have been proposed for time travel involve uh, uh, forces that are so huge that they would basically rip you apart. And uh, so, yeah, that, that's perhaps a slightly more promising direction to be going in. And painful. And very painful, yeah. Uh, I mean, wh- one of the ways that you can travel through time involves uh, diving into black holes. And one of the problems with going into a black hole, one of the many problems of going into a black hole... Is There's is only there one? <laughs> I said one of, the ma- one of the many problems of... of diving into a black hole is that um, it has what we call uh, tidal forces, very large tidal forces, and uh, that tends to sort of spaghettify you. You're stretched out uh, in one direction and squashed in the other, and you turn into a big, long uh, line of spaghetti.
0: See, I find tidal forces really weird, because when you have the moon going round the Earth, you get tidal forces, and we see them as tides, unsurprisingly. But the the water pulled towards the moon, that makes sense to me. The bit I find really hard to get my head around, and I've just had to accept, is the bit of water that gets pulled away from the moon on the other side or it seems to from when you draw a pretty picture?
2: Yeah, I think it's, it's because of the way you draw the pretty picture. I mean, it's to do with the fact that the gravity from the Moon is slightly stronger on one side of the Earth than it is on the other side of the Earth. And when you look at a black hole, it's like an extreme version of that, that the bit, the bit of you that's slightly closer to the black hole is experiencing very much stronger gravity than the bit of you that's further away from the black hole, and that leads you to be stretched apart because different bits of you are being pulled on differently by gravity.
0: Whilst we're on the subject of black holes, there was an episode of Stargate SG one. Now, for people who don't are aware, Stargate revolves around having these Stargates which connect point A to point B by a wormhole. And in one of the episodes, they um the a wave team, whatever you want to call it, if they have a different name for it, um, is on a planet that ends up going falling into a black hole. So they dial out from the gate. But the what they see at the other end is the gate dials out but never disconnects. Because there's meant to be a limit on how long can hold up the wormhole, but what happens at the other end is they've discovered that time is dilated so massively that nothing's happening at the other end. So first they notice the transmissions don't make sense, but they realise their Doppler shifted. So is that true? If you're in a massive gravitational field, that time would slow down. Uh, yes, it is basically
2: true. So if you were to jump into a black hole. Uh, well, if you were to push your friend out of the spacecraft and watch them disappear into a black hole, what happens is as they get closer and closer to uh, the black hole, from your perspective as somebody safely away from the black hole, they seem to be getting slower and slower and slower. And uh, as they get closer and closer to what we think of as the sort of surface of the black hole, which is the event horizon, they just slow down more and more, and they appear to you from an outsider's perspective to basically stick to the event horizon they never actually get past the event horizon from an external perspective so uh it sounds like stargate wins there and i have to say i have actually seen an episode of stargate you see i do watch quality if it if it's quality then i'll watch it but you know if it's if it's rubbish then i won't so what happened in the episode you saw i can't remember
3: (laughs) there There are probably some aliens with magic sticks that fired of
2: yeah, that's right. How did you know?
3: I, 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 he's I, psychic. I, I, yeah.
0: Was there a parasitic organism in there? I, I can't remember. Sorry. Okay, well, with black holes, we move on to our next track. 2. camfm.co.uk Your station Your Cam FM So that was of course Supermassive Black Hole by Muse See what I did there? That, that was seamless I predicted he was going to talk about black holes So the next movie we're going to talk to and run through our Andrew Ponson school of rigour as it were is um, Primer Now Will you're, I know Primer is probably your favourite movie isn't it? It's,
3: it's pretty high up there um, Yeah it's it, uh, it's it's it, it's a really great film. I think I've probably waxed lyrical about it um, one of the previous times on on the show. It's um, it manages to be to, to like come across at least as being relatively like scientifically convincing, and also not to dwell too long on like waving buzzwords around. They just kind of like mention the science they kind of come up with in this film, and then move on, and then deal with the implications. Um, so um, I, I, I imagine you probably have not seen this film based on previous conversations.
2: Uh, no, I haven't. You have to give me a primer,
3: primer. I see what you did there. It so was good, it was good. In Primer, it's a movie about time travel, which I suppose, suppose maybe is a spoiler, but I don't think it is. So they have a magic box, and um, broadly speaking, they flip the on switch on the mag- magic box, and then they wait at eight hours. Then they climb into the magic box and wait a further eight hours. And then they emerge at the point in time where they primed the box. Um, so this is very... One of the things that really made this film great for me was that it was such a restricted form of time travel. It, it seems... Almost plausible.
2: It does, yeah. And in fact, this is this. I'm pretty impressed by this. I should go and see it. Um, there, were, there was a very serious paper, uh, scientific paper, came out in I think 1988 or something um, by a guy called Kip Thorne. Now, Kip Thorne is uh, one of the great uh, experts on Einstein's general relativity, and he. Uh, had worked out basically what you would need to make time travel feasible because Einstein's general relativity does actually allow for time travel. Um, Surprising. Surprising, but true. Uh, It was, in fact, Kurt Gödel who originally realised that. Kurt Gödel was a mathematician who, uh, in the 1930s proved that maths was unprovable and basically destroyed the dreams of all mathematicians and then um, about 20 years later or something he proved that Einstein's theory of relativity allowed for time travel and seemingly weird contradictions and so destroyed the dreams of physicists and he, he was that kind of guy who liked destroying dreams of people um, anyway uh, so uh, people have been interested in this but uh, it's been debated just how realistic, I mean Gödel's idea was to have a whole universe filled with stuff that was all rotating around and the fact is in the real universe the stuff doesn't really rotate around it expands but it doesn't really rotate around so uh, this
3: sounds like to, to make a time machine you first have to spin the universe you
2: first have to spin the yeah so so people thought ah, that's not that's not really going to happen that needs a really big motor that, that does need a giant motor, and the, not only that, but you need to put the motor outside of the universe. Otherwise, conservation of angular. Uh, okay, no, we won't go there. <laughs> you just saw me blank I just, over. I just saw. I just saw the eyes. Uh, <laughs> let's get back to uh, Kip Thorne, nineteen eighties, um, because he. Uh, Was aware of Gödel's work He was also aware of the work with black holes Showing you might be able to use black holes for time travel But it would involve being crushed by singularity At the centre on your way uh, Through to another time space Not very helpful but what, what he uh, set out was what you would need if, you could, if a very advanced civilization um, could sort of pull a wormhole out from quantum froth on very small scales, which might be possible, we don't know for sure, then how you would actually keep it open and use it for time travel. And uh, it seems on the face of it like this may actually be possible. But one of the things that came out of that work was that you can only travel back in time to the moment that you created the time machine
0: which is quite useful because it explains why there's nobody turning up and winning the lottery from a time machine
2: yeah exactly well, mind you if they were turning up and winning the lottery they'd be keeping it pretty quiet probably but
0: well we would notice a statistical anomaly wouldn't we or would, do, would they have to go and kill the person who actually have a winning lottery ticket
2: i don't know how these things work uh, <laughs> you're probably more expert than i am but uh, anyway so i like i I, I'm looking at a very complicated diagram in front of me. Of exactly how the time travel in. If you was. think
0: that's complicated, you should see the timer timeline, primer timeline, the
2: thing. primer, the primer timeline.
0: Time yeah, it's, it's it's this big spider's web of interacting timelines.
2: Okay, okay. Well, anyway, this is the basic version, and I do like the realisticness that they can only go back uh, to the point at which they switched on their time machine.
0: Yeah. So, so we we believe that we have got. We go for. It. I also noticed that in there it actually talks about uh, Fenman diagrams in the fine, Wikipedia. Feynman.
2: Feynman. See, I don't know my famous. He uses. was a he was a fine man.
3: He was a, that's the way to remember it. We've we've mentioned a lot of true giants of uh, mathematics and physics in the last about five minutes.
0: So, as far as I'm aware, he said that antiparticles are just particles traveling backwards in time, or could be.
2: Well, actually, that was, that was Dirac from St. John's uh, College, Cambridge. You know, you need to make sure you get your local knowledge uh, right before you broadcast to somewhere like Cambridge. And but he, of course, everybody would be drunk today, so that's fine. That's, no, that's I'm fine. sure nobody noticed.
3: Of course, the other option is that we'll now have a ton of emails explaining like, all the money share of this uh, conversation, which are incorrect. But, of right. course you're, but, you're, you're, but you're, you're here to correct us before this even happens. So, dear emailers, sorry, um, you're, you're behind the curve here. We
0: successfully brought a physicist in. Anyway, so... Think about that. If you're happy, if you're interested, or you want to correct me, you can um, send in to our email. It's um, studio at camfm.co.uk, or you can use the little box on the web player, or you can tweet me at Think Outreach. There's plenty of choices. Um, you don't have to use all of them at once, you can just use one. And um, yeah, here's our next track.
1: Point
0: two. CamFM.co.uk, your station, your CamFM. Welcome back. This is the science of fiction. Uh, we're joined today by Andrew Ponson and um, Will, who I will Thompson. And I haven't actually named him yet. Apparently, he's feeling very anonymous in the corner.
3: I'm, I'm quite liking it. You know, I can I can say pretty much what I like. Of course, now that you've uh, um, named me, our listeners can perhaps travel back in time and find out what I said before as well. That's called listen again. Yeah. So basically, uh, broadcast media have invented time travel, and everything should, you know, we should we should pack up and go home.
0: So we got a question in from a listener. Uh, it's from Lottie, and I, I'm questioning if this really is from someone called Lottie because it may be Father's Day, and my daughter may be called Lottie. But at age one, this is an impressive question for her to send in. Time slows down as you approach the speed of light. Is it possible for time to stop completely or go backwards if you travel faster than this, Lottie?
2: That's amazing. Age one.
0: Apparently yeah. Right must yeah, I'm so proud.
2: You must be, yeah. I am. Have
0: you uh have you got it down on a waiting list for uh <laughs> for Cambridge yet? Yeah, if, there,
2: if there are waiting lists, I don't think there are waiting lists, are there?
0: I but think I think there's like new university opening up, aren't there? Oh yeah,
2: yeah. You get, get well no, that's only humanities, I think. So oh. obviously that would be a bit of a waste for her. Uh but uh, sorry. Anyway, uh yes. So time slows down as you approach the speed of light. That's uh, that's uh Essentially true. If you, if you get in a rocket and you go somewhere very, very fast, uh, so almost at the speed of light, you can't actually get to the speed of light, but you can get arbitrarily close to the speed of light. So you get in a rocket, you go very, very fast somewhere, and then you come back to Earth. What you'll find is that even if you think only a few seconds have passed, much, much longer has passed for
0: everybody on Earth. So if you did this, you might come back and discover the world has been taken over by apes and uh, you, when you find a Statue of Liberty, you just cry in your hands.
2: I'm going to pretend that reference is lost on me. <laughs> Charlton Heston?
3: I don't know what any of you are talking about. Are you Planet of the Apes? I've never seen Planet of the Apes. All I've all seen
2: I've seen trailers for Planet of
3: the Apes, which is about as good as it gets for me. Well, I've seen l- spoilers for Planet of the Apes. Does that count as seeing Planet uh, of the Apes? I can't
0: believe none of you have seen Planet of the Apes. So we're doing a show on science, off fiction, and none of you have seen Planet of the Apes. Fine! Fine.
3: I'm, so, I'm sorry to have let you down. Um, they even remade it.
2: I did warn you when you invited me on. I have not
3: seen any films. No, you're, you're fine. I'm I've seen Toy will. Story, but I don't think that has uh, time travel in it. Maybe Toy Story 4 will be the uh, answer to our prayers when it comes to... Someone's uh,
0: pointing out that perhaps it could be that my daughter has travelled back in time to ask the question to test us.
3: Perhaps that was your daughter travelling back in time to tell you that yeah.
0: again. This is just getting very circular. So, Will, you had something you wanted to ask about a very... St- Bad book, if
3: well, yeah, so the, so the mention of uh, quantum froth, which um, I'm surprised is a technical term, but I've heard before, so I'm prepared to believe now it's come from the, the, the mouth of a distinguished scientist that it is, in fact, a, a genuine thing. Um, reminded me of a novel by Michael Crichton, who's well known for his um, exemplary science, um, in which, uh, I think it was titled Timeline, in which uh, they, uh, the characters find a way to travel essentially back in time, but in practice they're actually traveling to a different reality which happens to be in the past which was never fully explained uh, but one nice nice um, bullet that he dodged in in the novel was the question of how does one make the time machine at the other end exist given that presumably in um, 1641 people have not made the receiving apparatus for time machines and he, he waved it away in the book by saying that um, um, they were not actually traveling back in time it was people from a reality identical to to the current one we're travelling back in time but the only difference in this reality is they'd figured out the answer to this question right I think I understand Which I I think is a tenuous... uh Yeah, so the
2: first thing to say is that that I said quantum froth, and when we say quantum froth, what we normally mean is something that we don't fully understand. And um, there's this big problem, uh, which you've probably heard of, which is that we have two very successful theories of physics. One is quantum mechanics, and one is general relativity. And quantum mechanics seems to describe pretty much everything uh, extremely well, apart from gravity. Ah. and general relativity describes gravity extremely well. Um, But when you try and put the two things together, you get uh, nonsense answers. And so uh, when we want to know what's happening to space and time, which is described by general relativity on very small scales, there's some combination of quantum theory and general relativity is required, uh, but we don't know how to put those together, so we wave our hands around and say things about quantum froth.
3: I see, so quantum froth represents, quite literally, the, the, the area of these series where, we, where we, we know nothing and it's basically a mass of, like, bubbling goo. Yeah, I, I wouldn't well, say we know nothing. Con- we, conceptual we, bubbling goo. There's, yeah, there's, we know but, there's something there and we don't really know how it works and it's kind of terrifying. Yeah, you might be,
2: you might be just pushing it a, a, a little bit to, to the dramatic side there. I'm not sure it's terrifying, but uh, <laughs> we, we, we don't fully understand what's going on on those scales. I'll say that. Now, your description of the book... Involves people traveling back in time and ending up in a parallel universe. And that's a very popular way to get around the obvious problems that arise. If you travel back in time uh, and you say you travel back in time, you go and kill your parents Mm -hmm. before they uh, gave birth to you. Um, I'm just, it's just sake of argument. I'm not looking at you and thinking that's something that you might actually do. Or then maybe it is. I don't know. I mean,
3: I, I, my lips are sealed, are sealed. Well, actually, they're not. Yeah. But, you yeah. know, we'll, could okay, well let's move. We'll so move, stepping, move, away, move, stepping away from the murder of any particular parents and onto, onto general, general, yeah. general
2: principles. If you did that, then you would never have been born. Right. And if you'd never been born, then you couldn't have gone back and right. murdered your parents. And so they're alive. So you were born. Yep. So you did go back and murder your parents. Yep. And so you see this gets in, in a bit of a tangle which the philosophers absolutely love. Now, there are two ways that you could resolve it. The first is to say, well, perhaps free will is nonsense. And actually, if you did travel back in time, all you would be able to do is fulfil what history had recorded had happened anyway.
3: Which is is a a popular device used in uh, many science fiction movies.
0: I mean, that, that happens in the latest version of The Time Machine, that he makes The Time Machine try and save the life of the woman he loves. And every time he goes back to save her, she dies in a different way. Which is sort of the idea that he knows the outcome to build the time machine is his what this girl's going to die. So every it's kind of like two plus x equals something it's three, and so x has to always be one. But I mean, I find that really uncomfortable because it just do, it doesn't seem to work in my head.
2: It is it is profoundly uncomfortable because it raises questions about how much we are actually in control of our lives. But uh, but the the alternative is this thing that you're saying about quantum reality because one way of interpreting the equations of quantum mechanics is down to somebody called Hugh Everett came up with this to my mind actually really compelling way of interpreting quantum mechanics which is that I don't know how much you've come across quantum mechanics but it has this element of randomness in it that when you go and measure something some sort of random decisions can get made Um, and Everett replaces these random decisions with actual parallel universes where all the different outcomes do actually happen in some sense. Yep. Um, and mathematically it's absolutely indistinguishable from the normal interpretation which involves these random uh, decisions. Right.
3: Because, because what, what we observe is simply a sampling of this, um, of this collection of actual universes yep. which could equally well just be a single universe where a random choice is being made. Yeah,
2: exactly. Um, so people have had the idea that maybe time travel somehow could interact with this and when you go back in time you automatically find yourself in, an, in a different universe, branch. a different branch of the universe. Personally I don't see the mathematical science justification for that, unlike a lot of the things we've been discussing so far. That, as far as I can tell, is just being pulled out of thin air and I Maybe I'm missing something, uh, but I don't see, I don't actually see any science behind that idea.
3: It doesn't really seem to solve the problem either, because um, you're, uh, um, even in a world where uh, quantum randomness is actually a branching of universes, this doesn't mean that you can arbitrarily jump back to the past. And it it seems to be kind of a two broadly separate descriptions which may be true. Being mashed together in a way which neither of them justifies.
0: Yep. Okay. Yeah. Good. <laughs> so we don't like that. Dealt with that one. We,
3: we, we, Michael, Michael Crichton.
0: So you can't resurrect dinosaurs either.
3: I'll try and avoid it.
0: Okay. And that was the Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs, with Tick, 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 I think. It's called Tick,
3: yes. Just Uh, Tick. Which um, which I guess ties in well for those of you who are listening to uh, uh, CamFM Breakthrough earlier, where the answer to uh, the second quiz question was, of course, the Yeah, Yeahs. So there we are.
0: If you don't know what we're talking about, you can listen to it on Listen Again. So yeah, do send us emails in on the web form. It's great to hear from you. Nice to always know people are listening as well. Um, We've only got a few in, but hopefully we can get some more. We're now going to move on to a movie that's very dear in many of our hearts and that is Back to the Futures. Well, the whole uh, trilogy.
2: Yes, yeah, I'm an expert on Back to the Future. I, know, uh, I I don't know about the trilogy. I know about the first film. I Perhaps you'd like really, to summarise your really, uh,
3: position on the first film.
2: The, you know, the first film, oh, it's, just, it's a brilliant film. It's, it's really, really, you know. If, if I had to choose uh, a science fiction film about time travel, then I would choose that one because I have actually uh, read the synopsis.
3: <laughs> That's so so, so, the, so the, the, the depiction of um, time travel in back to the future seems like relatively simplistic They like make something go to a certain speed and then like magic electrical stuff happens yeah. Now
2: the, the, thing that, the thing that worried me about back to the future as I was watching the uh, synopsis Was
0: <laughs> <laughs> watching, you mean reading the Wikipedia page?
2: Yeah, yeah uh, The thing that worried me was this business about 88 miles an hour
0: which is, a, which is a,
3: it's, a, it's a
2: compelling... It's a good f- speed, it's a good speed. I don't personally get up to 88 miles an hour in my car, so I don't know what my car does when I get up to 88 miles an hour, experimentally. Particularly in the 70s? Also, particularly in the 70s, So, yeah. you,
0: So you weren't worried about the fact that there's no evidence that DeLorean can actually get to 88 miles an hour?
1: Uh,
2: that didn't cross my mind, actually. Yeah, that, I, that's, I, just, that, that's just destroyed my view of this movie even further.
0: You're not really the sort of person to hand down as knowing his obscure sports cars
2: no no i know almost as much about sports cars as i do about movies
0: so one thing which i find quite interesting in uh back to the future is whenever the car goes back well travels through time it leaves behind a really nice trail of fire which I, is just great effect and when it reappears it is very very cold and people get frost burns off it they argue that's because it has to lose a lot of energy when it's traveling through time does, does that have any likelihood no and that's a real shame
3: because it looks awesome Good. I I imagine that like almost any form of time travel you could come up with would end up looking pretty good at one end or the other, because there'll be some pretty crazy things happening. Particularly if it involves like squishing people down into spaghetti and squirting them through a wormhole
2: it's true in fact that i 've seen uh some pictures somebody sent i 'm sure you find them if you if you google for them if you search for uh wormholes people i mean th- these are like the the scientifically sort of okay idea about how you could do tri- time travel through through these things called wormholes um and people have rendered, using computer software, what it would look like, what, it, what the actual end of a wormhole would look like. And from, my, from the one episode of Stargate SG-1 that I saw, it doesn't actually look like that.
0: Well, Stargate SG-1 gets around that saying that that isn't actually the Event Horizon. Ah. that's a storage mechanism to then transfer you down the wormhole it's got a whole set of high-tech computer gizmos in there
2: you see I'm beginning to wonder whether it's worse that I don't know anything about science fiction movies and television or whether the level of detail that you know about science fiction movies and television is slightly more concerning
0: I'm concerned you certainly should be concerned (laughs) so if we come back to Back to the Future one of the other things is the car runs on plutonium if I remember correctly. Something
3: radioactive. It's something which sounded like scary and like nuclear Sorry.
0: stuff. So presumably that isn't totally unreasonable. If you're going to convert a car into being a time machine, you are going to need a massive power source. Well,
2: possibly. I mean, the thing the thing is, if you want to
0: the the
2: the actual mechanism that is, that I've been talking about, that's sort of scientifically okay, is that you have a wormhole and and it plausibly would take a lot of energy certainly to create the wormhole and to keep it open but the uh, whole idea of the car itself you see I don't know what the what is the car itself actually is it creating a wormhole
0: I, I would say it has to create a wormhole it then passes through I can't see any other way we can really explain it
2: yeah so if that were true then it certainly would need a lot of energy um But the trouble with that is it always comes back to this thing, well, uh, you need to uh, have created the time machine at the point at which you want to travel back to. Remember when we were talking about Primer, I was particularly impressed that they can only travel back as far as when they switched on their time travel machine. So uh, there's a slight problem with Back to the Future, I think, in that respect. Uh, which is kind of highlighted by this discussion that we're having. Um, I'm sure it was an enjoyable movie, but, oh, it's know. a
0: great movie. You, you, I'm, I'm crying inside, because I, I do love that movie. So you're telling me there's no such thing as a flux capacitor either?
2: I believe not, no. Uh,
0: that's a shame. I'd, I honestly thought some poor guy had woken up underneath a sink and actually invented a time machine. So here's an e- email sent in by a viewer, um, viewer, listener. If you travel back in time, say thousands of years into the past, Would that effectively make you immortal since you were dying in the past before you were born in the future? That sounds scary like philosophy. It does. I'm trying to understand. How would it make you immortal? Do you understand that? I think it's because you can't do the maths of when you were born to when... you. Because you died before you were born you died before you
3: were born Well, i suppose it's a um it's a, it's a definitional thing of what does so normally one assumes that one dies after one is born and this is this makes sense because it's what people do um but i suppose if you say that you're you're, you're redefining um uh there's a question of is after the perception of the individual living or is it in the perception of the universe as a whole
2: you think you'll think it'll be in the perception of you. I mean, it's your, you're not going to feel immortal in any sense. The amount of time that you have in your own life is going to be the same. It's the same, by the way, you know, if you if you get on one of these rockets we were talking about earlier, which goes around roughly, you know, close to the speed of light, and you come back and you find thousands of years have passed on the Earth. Uh, your biological clock is synchronized with your perception clock so you, you, you literally have only aged by a few seconds even if all your friends have aged by thousands of years.
3: And this is something which is not really dealt with um, was well, it moving slightly off time travel but in um, fiction where one, one considers con- your consciousness being uploaded into some kind of computer network which is a thing that a lot of science, science fiction writers like to play with. Uh, no one seems to have really dealt with the fact that uh, there has to come a point where your physical existence stops being conscious, which normally means you've died. So, and Which is an interesting defin- definition of immortality to say, well, an aspect of yourself is immortal, but you're, the, 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 the part of you which has traditionally been the mortal part is still mortal. I mean, I'm not, yeah. this, is, this is not really a question. It's more of a kind of... A, it's a thought for the day. Yes. A thought for the day. The
0: other thing that happens in a lot in Back to the Future is, by the third movie, the timelines are getting a bit mashed up. And um, Marty McFly goes back in time to save uh, the Doc who's going to die in a gunfight, because he's going to die in the past. And he's messed up the timeline, so his photo, the people start fading away from the photo, because the timeline's changing. I assume that it's very unlikely, if you did change the timeline, that you would have a perception of the timeline changing? Or would it take time to ripple through time?
2: Yeah, well, the trouble is that, you see, as far as I can tell, there is no way to change a timeline. If you, if you go back in time and try and do something, you come back to this thing that actually the, his, the history ought to be just the history. And you can't, you can't go around changing. So, so, you think, so I would say scientifically, mm, uh, mm, <laughs>
0: that, that's, that was well known when Einstein said that at one of his conferences.
2: He did, he did.
0: <laughs> uh, we've got, got actually a really good question here. If time travel were possible, to where would you travel and why, Emily?
2: Oh no, I should have I should have thought of this one before. I have to think of a this really is, this, clever this is answer. This has completely
3: flawed me as well.
0: I, I've had to actually answer this before I'm a Naked scientist, so I don't want to go and repeat the same same thing.
3: Perhaps you should anyway. Well, I I, I haven't heard it. I'm sorry, I haven't. I didn't listen to your Naked scientist appearance.
0: Well, what I said there was, I was quite interested to sort of go to back to because at the time I was studying James Lind and try and find out what led him to invent what we now know, science- well, he didn't invent it, lots of people have, but him to do a scientific inquiry into the cause of scurvy, because it was such a big difference to what he was taught, and I thought that was very interesting. Um don't know if anyone else has a moment like that you want to go to.
3: Well, there are a lot of, you know, tr- trivial things I would quite like to go back and do. I know it, it would be fun to, you know, go back to the 70s and, you know, experience like, the various forms of music that were born in the decades before I was born. Um, that would be interesting. Um, it would be interesting, perhaps, to go a little further back and see... Um, to and see a more primitive forms of civilization. But the problem is that I quite like many things about the present, such as uh, medicine and uh, safety and clothing and stuff. Are
2: we, allowed to, are we allowed to travel into the future? I think we are, aren't we, yeah, according it, to the it, question? It,
0: it can go either way with time machine.
2: Because, I mean, I don't know, this might sound a bit boring or perhaps pessimistic, but I'd quite like to travel sort of 50 or 70 years into the future, mm. see what the Earth is like, and then plan out my life based on, on that. And the thing is that actually going, going into the future is relatively easy.
0: I mean, yeah, you've just said we actually know how to do that. Are we, we building the spaceship? Yeah,
2: we need to build the spaceship that goes at almost the speed of light. We actually know how to do that. The trouble would be if you wanted to come back again, of course, uh, I mean, back in time again. Um, that uh, is much more technically challenging
3: than just building a spacecraft that goes at the speed of light. But if you, if you prime your primer machine before you get on your spacecraft, of course, then when you arrive in the future, you simply climb into the box and. Uh, oh, yeah.
2: No, no. But, but the trouble is that this, this whole idea of generating these wormholes is technologically far more difficult than even making a spacecraft that goes at the speed of light. Actually, making a spacecraft that goes at nearly the speed of light is probably going to be pretty challenging because uh, the thing that's furthest away from Earth at the moment, uh, people are going to email in if I get this wrong, but I think it's Voyager 1, Uh, launched in 1977, possibly. I can can feel the emails coming in already, Uh, but... uh, I believe that the amount of time it's going to take that to get to the nearest star, if it was going in the direction of the nearest star, would be something like 230,000 years. Wow. Uh, And that star is um, just over a light year away. So uh, you compare uh, 230,000 years with with one year, you you get some idea of how good we
3: are at uh, getting up to high speeds. Which which seems like in principle, it oughtn't to be a particularly hard problem. You have a, I mean, from my simplistic viewpoint, you have a very, very big explosion behind a very small thing.
2: Yeah, but I think that the, the size of the explosion, the of the explosion the without vaporizing the small yeah. thing. if you want to put a human in there, of course, it gets a little right. bit harder because uh, humans are pretty fragile and if you accelerate something too fast, then they'll just splat. We're squishy. Squishy, yeah. Yep. That's squishy a, technical a technical term. Technical
0: term, people are squishy. I was going, one other thing, I think, wouldn't you be interested in Astro, as a cosmologist, um, to go and, even if you personally didn't go back in time, but to be able to look back at time at the early birth of the universe? Because presumably that's something that's very, very hard to study in your field, and it's something that presumably you're interested in.
2: Yeah, but uh, the funny thing is we can see pretty much the the birth of the universe through something called the cosmic microwave background. Because uh, in the very early universe, everything was very hot, very dense, and there was a lot of light around because everything was hot and dense as the universe has cooled there's nowhere for that light to actually go it's trapped inside the universe so it's still within the universe today uh, and it's now called the cosmic microwave background we can look at it and it tells us exactly what things were like when the universe was very young so that's one way to, to time travel into the past It's just to look at something uh, that's very distant.
0: Okay well we'll let you give you some time to email in whether Voyager 1 really is the furthest thing away from the earth And uh, we'll move on with our next track. FM.co.uk. Your station, your Cam FM. So I actually have no idea what I just played because I forgot to ask Will before putting on.
3: You just played 1901 by Phoenix from yeah. their excellent album, Wolfgang Amadeus Phoenix.
0: See, there you go, at least someone in the studio is paying attention to what I'm broadcasting. Now, I've got a question for Andy, which I suspect is gonna have a very quick answer. Bill and Ted and doctor, the Doctor and Doctor Who both use telephone boxes to travel through time. Well, one's a police box, but similar idea. Is there any good reason why phone boxes would make a good temporal capsule? No. See that really disappoints me. So I've disappointed you twice now. You can't can you come up with a completely fictitious reason?
2: Yeah, it's because if you use anything larger then the flux capacitor uh, becomes too weighty for the volume
3: that you're trying to transport. See that's a good answer. Good. So um as a sort of f- side point on um, the TARDIS, which as many people are aware is larger on the inside than on the outside, is there any way that one could use some kind of device which is useful for traveling in time to travel in space and thus allow you to move instantaneously to a point which is larger inside? Which seems like one way that you could arrange to have a, a box which from the outside appears to be one meter square, but when you walk through the door, you're actually transported into a much larger uh,
2: yeah, venue. yeah, I see what you mean. Yeah, well in fact, um, these wormholes that I was talking about earlier on, um, they were originally envis- envis- envisioned as ways to connect two bits of space together. Um, and it was only slightly later that people realized that actually you can uh, fiddle around with them and get them to c- connect two times together. So the answer is
3: yes. Excellent. Then I presume this, this, this depends on treating time as a dimension similar to the special dimensions with which we're familiar.
2: Uh, yeah, you mean get, getting something that was originally for connecting bits of space and okay. turning it into something that connects bits of time? Yeah, in fact, the, the, the way you do it is you take, you, you start off with a wormhole that connects two bits of space together, and you put one of them, one of, one, sorry, one end of your wormhole in a big rocket, and the other end you leave stationary. And then you fly the uh, end of your uh, wormhole around very, very fast, and so you transport that end into the future, but you leave the uh, original end uh, back in the past. Interesting. Uh, and so that's, that is, if you want to know, that is the uh, DIY guide to
3: creating a time machine. Which is a, um, a use of wormholes I've come across in science fiction, um, where it's w- used for um not so much for time travel but for instantaneous communication um, to a point which is further away than well, to communicate faster than it would be possible at the speed of light which I suppose is time travel although it's not normally presented as such it's presented as, you know some kind of anti-relativistic uh, communication as opposed to time travel as such.
2: Right, but anyway, any way you connect together two bits of space-time that uh, on the surface seem to be uh, a long way apart and then suddenly you connect them cl- so that they're much closer together has exactly the effect that, that you're talking about. You can get radio signals or light signals or whatever through uh, faster than apparently the
0: uh, light travel time would require. Very interesting. I've just thought of a really good use of wormholes. You're going to like this one. Now, if I put, as you, like the TARDIS, a wormhole in my fridge, I could link my fridge up to a big warehouse so it never emptied. Yeah, there's also Sainsbury's online. They're quite good.
3: Yeah, I hear Okada have actually been experimenting with this very technology.
0: You, oh, I thought it was a good idea.
2: <laughs>
3: okay. Well, perhaps I shouldn't have said that. Perhaps it was uh, a secret.
0: They're secret. Yeah, Okada are now going to sue you. So, oh. HG Wells' time machine. I think we have to bring this up just because... It was written... I have actually got the date down here, so I might as well get it right. It was written in 1895, I believe.
2: Ten ten years before uh, Einstein's special relativity theory came out.
0: There was a reason we brought you along. It wasn't just to kill my dreams about science fiction.
2: No, no. I mean, it's amazing. H.G. Wells anticipated... In fact, I assume he probably read about special relativity and went back in time and then wrote his novel.
3: So it stands up to scrutiny, well, in as much as any work of fiction can, even in the presence of this um, relatively major development in uh, scientific understanding, uh, discovered after its its writing? Uh, Yes. Yes. (laughs) Okay.
0: So one thing I found quite interesting, but probably incorrect about H.G. Wells' book, is the time machine cannot move. It moves through time only. Yet, wouldn't the Earth move out from underneath it? Oh, or yeah. would it possibly be re- held in place by a gravitational field
2: no, I'm not sure about that well, I mean the thing is that anything that can move through time is likely to be able to move through space as well, I mean they're two sides of uh, the same basic underlying thing, that's part of Einstein's work, time and space are part of the same sort of four dimensional space time um, so uh, yeah that's, I, I agree that does sound, that does sound slightly dodgy
0: because that would mean if you made a time machine which wasn't very good at flying through space every time you went back in time you'd have to fly back to the earth
2: yeah that could be problematic it could be problematic yeah you'd need to make sure there was a, a rocket there for you when you finished
0: yeah that's a shame because of course that book by H. G. Wells also has some very interesting uh, concepts on the sort of a dystopian future of the Eloy and the Morlocks it's, de- it's um
2: yeah I mean I think that's why you read it really you don't read it for the uh, for the science because that's all over if I remember rightly, pretty quickly.
0: Yeah, it, it, he, he doesn't even describe how he builds this thing. It's just a man builds it, then tries to convince his friends it's actually happened. Right. And there is actually um, a sequel by Stephen Baxter, which was written for the centenary of the original publication, called the... Um, I'm going to have to look this up again. Uh, the Time Ships. And mm. in that, it reflects on how much damage that H.G. Wells does to the timeline by having the fact that the original book was published because the original book is published as if it's one of the friends of H.G. Wells has oh, talked to because I I the original Traveller I don't think his name's ever given um disappears back off into the future straight straight away afterwards and I think that in the Stephen Baxter yeah. book he um Finds that he can't actually go. The girl he saw fell in love with him in the future is no longer there because all the timelines changed by the fact he went back and told people he made the time and machine. And
2: that might explain why the Traveller never comes back because that's what happens at the end of the. Oh, sorry if I just spoiled it for somebody. Well, I've not read it. Had. You already had. Uh, yeah, so the Traveller never comes back. Uh, this is coming back to me because yeah. it's a few years since i read it. But the, the, yeah, the Traveller goes off into the future at the end and never comes back. They're all waiting for him to come back uh, and he never does. So this, this new uh, new book explains that, does it? Yeah, it's apparent. good to have these things explained, isn't it? it new book, as anymore. in
3: 15 years old. Well, you know. New, new relative to the original, though.
0: Yeah, 15 years is a lot younger than 115. That's true. Certainly, 15-year-old listeners will feel a lot more merry than 115-year-old listeners. It
2: depends on what they've been doing in the interim, because if they've been doing time travel, then uh, it might...
0: Yeah, it gets conquered. Anyway, I know Will had a question about things we can't observe in the universe, yeah, well, we due mean, to light cones.
3: Yeah, well, we, 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 I mean, I, I guess to, to some extent we, we, we covered this by talking about like moving two wormholes through space and the effect of linking two parts of space which are not connected. But um, stepping back for a moment to what is possible with today's technology, there's a, there's, there are large swathes of the universe which we can infer must exist. But uh, there's no evidence of, of recent events in those parts of the universe reaching us. Um, as I understand, in terms of of the light reaching us um, that we're we're going to see for a long time. Is there any way we can infer anything about what's happening out there?
2: Yeah, the the short answer is no. So actually, I mean, we don't know anything about those regions of the universe. They're beyond what we call the horizon. And even though light travels very fast, it only travels at a certain speed, so uh, because the universe is only... certain number of years old. Um, it's about 14 billion years old. The largest distance that light can have travelled is roughly 14 billion light years. Um, and so if you go to anything that is more than that distance uh, away from us, then the light literally hasn't had time to get to us. So we know nothing about those regions of space. And in fact, because of the way that uh, all of physics works, it, n- nothing, no kind of signal can travel faster than light. So literally there is no way to know anything about what is happening in those parts of the universe and, just to cap it all off although you're talking about connecting bits of the universe up with wormholes to actually create that wormhole in the first place, uh, you wouldn't be able to do that because you'd need to somehow uh, get the two ends of the wormhole and take you know, you physically, in in the picture that we have, you physically need to take one end of the wormhole and put it
3: somewhere else and you can't get it to those distances. Because you can't get to the end of the universe because we've just we've just covered that. Right. Oh, interesting.
0: Okay, I've got a question for you, it's getting a bit technical, but its, it's I think it's—a uh, might be a nice one to finish off with. As far as I'm aware, the universe is expanding at the rate of speed of light? Or very close to? Well, the thing, the thing is that the
2: rate of expansion depends on what you're comparing. So if you take two galaxies, then they uh, go at a speed which is proportional to how far apart they are. So if things that are close together get apart very slowly, okay. things that are already a long way apart uh, getting apart faster.
0: So the two edges of the universe how far are they going away from each other?
2: Well we don't know about any edges to the universe because we have this horizon we cannot see oh, okay. further than that so we simply do not know.
0: So how fast is the horizon driving away?
2: Well okay so this is probably what you're thinking of because one way of thinking about it is that there are things there that are receding at the speed of light um, the trouble is that you can't really this all becomes very complicated because comparing speeds of two different things uh, depends actually on having them in the same location actually you, you can't compare speeds otherwise um, and uh, the the edge of the universe is, is not in our location so we can't really do that comparison and so this is all becoming a bit colloquial it's not really backed up by the uh, basic mathematics that underlies oh, okay. it.
0: Because my question was going to be, Is it has it got beyond the point where any information can travel from one side of the universe to the other side of the, let's go say horizon, because you're obviously correcting me on that, in the lifetime of the universe anymore, or would is have they become disconnected parts of space-time?
2: Well, there is an interesting effect that we call dark energy uh, that seems to have uh, taken over the uh, Uh, evolution of the universe which means that the expansion of the universe actually appears to be accelerating at the moment and so uh, uh, that impacts on your question because it means that things are uh, getting apart at an ever-increasing rate and so it does actually mean that our horizon will now start to shrink that actually uh, it becomes harder to see things that are further away bizarrely Um, and so I think if I understand correctly what you're asking, the answer is yes, that, that there are things that will never ever be able to talk to each other within the universe.
3: But, which we, but both of which we can observe right now? Yes. Or at least we can observe evidence of now? That
2: is correct, yeah. Yep.
0: See, I find that quite a dramatic effect. It is quite a dramatic effect, yeah. And um, I think on, on that bombshell we'll we'll leave it there. Uh, thank you for listening. Uh, hope you enjoy the show. Thank you, Andy, for dropping by. Thank you. And thank you again, for Will, for coming by and providing some of the music. Thank you for having me.